Hey, everybody. Happy spring. Hi, this is Editing Sarah here. Um, It is not spring anymore. It is summer. Sorry about that. Ha. Uh, this is Sarah Jessica, and this is Hot Shots. And thank you for tuning in again this month. I really appreciate it. And uh, tonight I am talking to my friend Don Catapan. I guess I did want to confirm how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> Just like it's spelled. Super Perfect. easy. Awesome, awesome. Uh, uh, Dawn is the creator of the Hamiltonian Arts blog, Beyond James. Uh, she's a promoter of all things Hamilton Arts, and she's also the vice president and general manager of the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, which that's a big title. Yes, it is. Um, and guys, so you can find Dawn's blog at uh, www.beyondjames.com and at Beyond James blog on all social media. And uh, hey, Dawn, and thank you so much for jumping on here and talking to me. Thanks, Sarah. I can't believe it took us so long to actually have a conversation because we've been emailing and uh, trading stories for like, I don't know, a year now, maybe? Yeah, I I think probably like a year and a half. Yeah. So it's weird that this is actually our first time talking. I know that is weird. Um, And like, especially on the podcast, which you share so often to be on James, which I'm always very appreciative of. So thank you for that. You do awesome work. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so I guess we kind of want to start off with like, um, are you a Hamilton native? Did you grow up here? I didn't. I grew up in Northern Ontario, actually. Um, but my grandfather uh, was a doctor in Hamilton from just after World War II until about the 90s. Um, yeah. And my mom grew up here and was here until she went to university up in Northern Ontario. And growing up, I loved visiting my grandfather's place on the mountain. I thought it was just the coolest place. Uh, And Lime Ridge Mall in the 90s, uh, I also thought was possibly the greatest mall in the universe. Um, But when my partner and I uh, were living in Toronto and kind of just thinking about the kind of life we wanted and what we wanted around us, The infrastructure of Toronto just wasn't keeping up, wasn't doing it for us. We found ourselves in lines for everything. Uh, Everything was getting sold out. Everything was getting super expensive. And it just wasn't keeping up with the quality of life we wanted. And so when we were talking about, you know, what kind of um, world we wanted around us and the neighborhoods we wanted around us, uh, Hamilton just felt like a really natural fit, um, especially because of the art scene. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and what kind of art did you grow up around and did that change when you were introduced to Hamilton? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I grew up doing a lot of kinds of art. My parents were very determined to have well-rounded children. And so I gravitated to music. I loved singing. I loved, uh, playing the piano, Um, I played guitar when I was older. I did a lot of composition. Um, I danced, um, I did visual art, you know, I kind of ran the, the gamut. Um, but, uh, I don't think being a performer was ever in my cards. I had a lot of performance anxiety and stage fright. Um, and, working for nonprofits and seeing the great work that goes on to support artists. Uh, when I learned more about that, that was something I, I gravitated to. 
um, much more and loved because I could then support people that were much more talented than me and much more creative than me and doing really brilliant things. Um, I don't know if that actually answered your question or not. Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah, I guess like what art you grew up around and did that change when you got to Hamilton? Right. Okay. So let me, let me try that question again. Uh, okay. So I grew up doing all kinds of different art. My parents had me in singing and, uh, piano and dance and visual arts. Um, but I knew fairly early on, I think, uh, that um, performing would never be in my cards. I just too much anxiety, uh, mm -hmm. too much stage fright. It just, it was not for me. And I tried my hand at composition. Um, but that is such a difficult market to break into. Um, mm -hmm. it just wasn't going to happen either. Um, and so I gravitated instead to supporting really talented artists and supporting really talented people. And when I moved to Hamilton, uh, one of the things that I love and continue to love is all of the talented artists who either, you know, whether they do it as a hobby, whether they do it professionally, just the passion that they bring, the excitement that they bring, um, and the joy that they have in sharing it. Uh, and so I still love going to concerts, um, whether it's at, you know, a brewery or a bar or, uh, at Hamilton Place. I love going to see theater. I love going to see dance. Um, I love going to art galleries. I still love it all. Awesome. Um, who was the first artist or maybe piece of art that spoke to you? I should have known <laughs> sure. that question was coming. I was trying to think about yeah. what questions you might ask me. Uh, and you always yeah. ask that question. So I should have <laughs> seen it coming. And I really didn't. Oh, poor preparation on my part. Um Art that really spoke to me. Okay, I think I have two. And they're very, very different, I think. Um, so the first one I'm going to say is uh, my mother took me and my sister to the Art Gallery of Ontario um, once. And looking back... I don't, I don't know what possessed her to bring like an eight year old and a 10 year old to an art gallery mm -hmm. and like buy us, um, or rent us like a headphone. So we had like walking tours oh, and, cool. and let us loose. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a terrifying <laughs> idea. Yeah. Uh, but it was great. Um, and, uh, I still very much remember, uh, this tour and this gentleman with a British accent, you know, talking about, um, uh, expressionistic art. Um, and there was this brilliant painting, uh, by Manet, uh, called a bar at the Folie Berger. And, um, it has this very sad looking woman. And it's a question of whether she's looking into a mirror. There's a mirror behind her as all this kind of chaos is happening around her. And she's just kind of staring right in front of her. Um, and I remember staring at that painting forever. Uh, and, and the way that it was composed, the, um, the brilliance of it, even at a young age, uh, I found it so touching and moving. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on the flip side, uh, I'm going to go, uh, 
and remember um, Melanie Doan, who is a Canadian musician um, who was really big, maybe in 97 or 98. And that was the very first CD I bought. Um, And her music at the time was just so different than so many things that I had heard around me and knew um, and really loved. Uh, And I just remember thinking that the mind that went into creating that um, and bringing that all together and expressing some of the thoughts, which, you know, I hadn't heard expressed before uh, as a young woman really was uh, fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What area of the arts did you first become interested in? I mean, chronologically, I'm pretty sure my parents put me in dance first, Mm -hmm. right? I think, you know, I don't remember a time when I was little that I wasn't dancing, but I also had a piano growing up in my house. um, And my mom would always play piano and guitar. And that was always, you know, music was always in my house. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't remember a time in my life when, when we didn't have music. Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of music were you drawn to at first? everything yeah um and it sounds that sounds like such a cheesy answer um but i you know in my very youngest days my mom would play folk songs but then we would visit my grandfather and he would be like singing show tunes Mm -hmm. as he made dinner Mm -hmm. um and uh you know, we went to church and so there's so much beautiful music in spiritual music, um, that is around you. Um, and as I grew up, I really started to love, um, other genres from, uh, I went through a a rap phase. I went through a hip hop phase. Um, I went through a, an alt rock phase that I may or may not still be in. Mm -hmm. Um, I went through a bad pop phase as I think everybody probably did if you grew up in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, so I, I found a way to love and find joy in all music. I never thought I would like country actually, but one of my composition classes, uh, in university, my professor, um, you know, he took one look at something I submitted and he said, you know, you must have a lot of jazz influences around you because that's what, that's what you're writing. And I said, you know, you're right. I listen to a ton of jazz. And he said, I need you to go listen to some country hmm. because country and classical music are very closely cre- like connected. And I need to see more of that. Um, and when I started to think about country music in that sense, uh, I started to have a new appreciation for it. Interesting. I've never seen that link. Good to know. Yeah, I have something something to think about. Yeah, I have a hard time with country as well. So I I get you there. Yeah. Um, Which is funny because Hamilton is a big country market. Yeah. And so um, I don't know. It's uh, I also think, you know, I've started to to get more into roots music since moving here, too. And I find there's so many close connections with country and roots as well. Uh, It's a bit of a blurred line. So I, I. I'm getting more into country in that sense, too. Cool. Cool. I've dipped my toes in with, like, Orville Pack, but, like, nice. you know, slowly, slowly <laughs> dipping my toes in. Um, did you uh, 
I mean, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but did you create art on your own? Or are you mainly like a consumer and a reporter of art? So I used to practice all kinds of art. Mm -hmm. And when I was growing up and doing it, you know, I was always told that it was natural to be nervous. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we all say that, that, you know, if it's worth doing, you get the butterflies in your stomach and you channel that into an excitement and it's a good thing. Um, but for me, it never turned into excitement. It was always this, this paralyzing, crippling fear um, and, and this panic while I, while I was doing whatever I was doing. Uh, and I never... I never felt good about it afterwards. There was never positive reinforcement that came with, oh, I enjoyed this experience. Oh, I, I should do this more often. You know, I really like this. Um, it was always uh, anxiety. And it took me a really long time to recognize that in myself, that, that this just, the act of being on stage or the act of, you know, putting artwork out there um, was not something that I enjoyed. Um, and I've written music that other people have performed. And I love that experience mm -hmm. a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, and I love sharing it in that way. Uh, but now I'm, I'm just a consumer, but I think it gives me this newfound appreciation that I don't know that I would necessarily have because I recognize how challenging it can be and how much effort goes into not just the rehearsal process and not just the practice process and, and the creative process of putting it all together, but even just to set a foot on that stage or, or set a foot in that arena um, to put your, to make yourself vulnerable and put yourself out there with your work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what did you attend school for? So I went to university for uh arts management, which is just the management of nonprofit organizations, um, and musicology, mm -hmm. which is just kind of a fancy way of saying music history. Yeah, very cool. And what were you hoping to get into with uh, those degrees, I'm guessing? Uh, yeah, so I went to U of T. Yeah. Sorry, McMaster. Um, but, uh, there actually weren't a lot of schools in Canada that had, uh, that kind of degree. Um, and being in Toronto for an art scene, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't get any better. Yeah. Um, so I went to U of T and I don't know if I knew exactly what I was hoping to do. I think it kind of changed as I went through university. Um, and I was really fortunate to keep kind of landing, to keep landing, uh, as part of my co-op program in university, these really great opportunities. You know, I had the opportunity to work for, uh, the National Ballet. I got a chance to, um, work for this really brilliant, uh, Afro-Caribbean dance and drumming group. Um, and I also worked for, um, uh, they've changed their name and they've sort of changed their mandate a little bit, but now they do Canadian national film day, oh. um, which is like, like half of my job was uh, watching brilliant indie Canadian movies, cool. um, which for a university student is brilliant. Couldn't, couldn't ask for a better, better gig yeah. uh, and nicer people. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds sick. Yeah. Um, what, what came first for you? Uh, did Beyond James start first or did your like uh, career start first? No, my career definitely started first. 
Um, you know, if I, if I really think hard about it, um, or maybe not so hard because I have the answer, uh, at the tip of my tongue. <laughs> but, you know, if I think about sort of my past, um, I was doing the nonprofit management stuff, you know, back when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I maybe just didn't realize it, right? right? There's a, there's this great music festival and art festival in Sudbury called the Northern Lights Festival Boreal. Um, and, uh, I ended up kind of falling into their volunteer coordinator role one year. And, you know, I was 15 years old coordinating hundreds of volunteers for this three day long festival. Um, and I didn't realize it at the time, but that's absolutely a component of, or, or one of the components that arts management and nonprofit management can be. Um, and it just kind of grew from there. And so I, I started working, um, well before Beyond James. Beyond James kind of came about when I moved to Hamilton and I was looking for ways to be connected in the art scene and at the same time had had heard a couple of different things and had had my own experiences um, and thought, you know, as, as everybody does, uh, you know, I could probably do that better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided to give it a shot. Cool. Yeah. And here we are. And here we are. Um, how do you find your career and Beyond James overlapping, if they do at all? Um, I try and keep Beyond James and the Toronto Symphony very separate. Um, they're very, they're two very different jobs. And even though they're both in the art sector, um, I do my best to keep Beyond James Hamilton focused um, and free from things that uh, I might know or I might learn through my job at the Toronto Symphony. Um, and at the same time, you know, my role in Toronto has nothing to do with writing about the arts um, or or trying to promote the arts, right? I'm right. not trying to sell the Toronto Symphony to uh, to Hamilton audiences. Right. That's not that's not my job in the organization. Yeah. Um, and so I try and keep the two very separate. In fact, I I have to be honest. I'm actually not sure how many of my coworkers know about Beyond James. Really. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I did work with somebody who uh, he lives in the East End, and he left the TSO uh, sometime during the pandemic. Uh, and we still chat every once in a while. And I had written him at some point, I said, you know, if you're ever interested in writing for me, let me know. And he was like, Oh, yeah, I've heard of your blog. I just I didn't put it together. Mm. Um, so I, I try and keep them I try and keep them separate because I don't think one has anything to do with the other. Yeah. Do you like it like that? Like they're, they're both their own like little worlds and like, does that make it like simpler for you? Uh, I don't know if it makes it simpler, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't think the two are necessarily connected. Sure. Um, you know, there have been a couple of instances where um, it may have been a bit of a gray area. You know, I'm thinking um, there have been stories about the Hamilton Philharmonic um, or, you know, if the Toronto Symphony ever comes to Hamilton, I'll have to figure that out. But mm-hmm. uh, the way that I've tried to uh, keep it separate and keep it influence free, because I think it's so important for the blog to be free of influence and independent, um, is I've handed those off to uh, other great writers that I work with. Mm-hmm. And those people can can pick it up and they don't necessarily have the information that I have or would uh, necessarily um, 
have the uh, lens that I would look at it through. And so they can write an independent article that uh, is um, that is more to the style of the blog. Absolutely. Uh, what inspired you to begin blogging? That's a great question. Um, I had never written a blog before Beyond James. Mm -hmm. um, and I had never, if you had asked me ages ago, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago or 20 years ago, if I thought, well, 20 years ago, I probably wouldn't have known what a blog was. But if you had asked me like 10 years ago, um, if I thought I would write a blog, I would probably say no. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was living in Hamilton, I, I'm sorry, I still live in Hamilton. But I mean, when I first moved to Hamilton, I was looking for an outlet and I ended up writing fringe reviews. I signed up to write fringe reviews for um, another blog or a website. And before I started reviewing, they sent out this, um, they sent out this email. I don't know if I still have it or not, but uh, it basically said something to the extent of, you know, people in the fringe work really hard and, you know, they've put in a lot of effort into their work and we're not going to publish negative reviews. We only want to publish positive reviews because they've worked so hard. Hmm. And I thought like, yeah, they've worked hard, but these are artists who deserve fair feedback. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to say negative things to be critical and thoughtful mm -hmm. of their work. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was sort of the first part of it. And then around the same time, um, I had heard from people participating in the fringe that the fringe was having workshops for participants, uh, around the need to have a central place to read about the arts, get information, uh, hear reviews, um, and learn about the local art scene or, or at least the local theater scene. Um, and so I kind of put that all together, uh, and started beyond James in 2019. Cool. Yeah. Um, what were you blogging about at first? Oh, um, I think, I, I mean, it's always run the gamut of arts and culture in Hamilton. Um, and that hasn't changed. So uh, I think some of the early pieces were preview pieces about uh, some shows that were happening in Hamilton, like independent theater shows. Mm. Um, I started doing Q and A's with local artists Um I did some uh, some nerdy arts uh, advocacy articles that I personally love reading, cool. uh, or sorry, I personally love writing. I don't know how many people love reading. They don't do as well as a lot of the artic other articles, but I right. think they're important, so I'm going to keep doing them. Mm -hmm. um, but I wrote about art advocacy, and you know there were elections at the time, so I wrote about um, government budgets and the arts and, uh, how to be, uh, an arts advocate and questions to ask, you know, if somebody knocks on your door and you want to be advocating for the art scene, how to, how to start mm -hmm. doing that. Um, Oh, that's interesting. And, uh, well, and that one, that one's actually one of our most popular articles still. Oh, awesome. Um, but yeah, I was writing about local shows and local artists and, and it's still very similar to what I'm doing now. It's just, it's just a little bigger now. Cool. Awesome. You kind of stuck to the same script and everything. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's expand. I, well, I know it's expanded now. Um, mm -hmm. Right. We have music reviews courtesy of yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, we have somebody uh, writing book reviews. Somebody's going out and, and checking out indie bookstores. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, we now have people sending us press releases uh, to learn about things. So it's not, uh, you know, there is still people reaching out, but, um, or sorry, it's not just going out into the community and finding things now, but it's now people reaching out and wanting us to talk about them, which is great. Um, and hopefully build things up. Uh, and also event listings, right? I started that, I think just, just as things were opening up after the pandemic and the event listings have been super popular. It's been, um, it's been, it's been really fun. Um, and it's been great to learn about things happening in the city that I'm not sure I would learn about otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, when did you begin looking for other writers besides yourself? Uh, that would be where the Toronto Symphony came into play. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I started the blog, uh, I was initially working at McMaster and the job that I held at McMaster gave me, um, free time or more free time. Um, and the commute, you know, I could bike there in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, I had more free time to, to spend my evenings writing and interviewing and researching. Um, whereas, uh, when I took the job at the TSO full time, um, I recognized that I didn't have as much time. And so I put out a call for writers and I had one or two people respond at that point. Um, and then I started kind of thinking about, um, you know, in the same way that I want the blog to connect people and um, introduce people to art forms and uh, bring about discussions around artists and art forms in Hamilton, uh, I started looking for people who had a similar vision to that um, mm -hmm. and similar goals and said, you know, do you want to collaborate? You know, is there an opportunity for us to work together? Uh, and I think that's how you and I got together, actually. Yeah. Um, and then um, there's a brilliant theater writer uh, who does tons of work in the community theater spectrum. Um, her name's Amanda Cosby Nesbin. She runs Steel City Girl Reviews. Um, and so she's, uh, you know, stepped up and we've done some collaborations together. Um, Stephen Near writes... Uh, a monthly column that we call near and now, and he kind of just takes a topic and runs with it. Um, and then he also does book reviews. Um, and uh, other people have just sort of come out of the woodwork in other ways. Uh, when I was looking for people to um, help with fringe reviews this year, um, I met somebody who used to write for the view uh, and he cool. ended up being a brilliant theater reviewer. Um, and so he, he now writes reviews for us. Um, and, uh, I met somebody else who, um, is really tapped into the literary scene here. Uh, and so when we get advanced copies of books, she just, she, she just rips through them, um, because she's such a, a voracious reader and she loves the literary scene in this city, which is really active as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've been really fortunate to find, other people who share the same passion and excitement for different aspects of the Hamilton art scene. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. And what do you look for um, in a contributor? So let's say someone was applying to write for beyond James. What would you hope to find in them? You know, it's always a conversation um, mm -hmm. with what excites them, what they're interested in. 
Um, you know, what do they know about the art scene? What connections do they have? I find, um, you know, some people that I've collaborated with, they're too close to the art form almost, um, mm. where they know all the players, they know all the people, and, and it's hard to have that free from influence uh, right. vibe that I was mentioning, right? Mm. And they say, oh, I know this person, and we went to theater school together, and we did this, and and you're like, I don't want your inside jokes in the article. That's not yeah. that's not yeah. helpful for anybody. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think there needs to be an understanding that you can take a step back and kind of give it that 30,000 foot level, um, but also give it a critical eye. You know, mm-hmm. can you can you really look at it and say some things worked, some things didn't? Here's the things to be excited about. Here's, you know, maybe the things to be wary of. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's probably the the key thing is is can you take that that step back and be free from influence because I recognize you know again I think so many artists um, just by necessity have to be their own PR machine and and it's hard to take that step back yeah. sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if someone listening was interested in contributing to Beyond James, uh, how should they go about doing that? Just send me an email. Contact at beyondjames.com. Cool. There we go. And when, uh, when about did you say that you started covering uh, the Fringe Festival? Oh, I started the Fringe. I think the Fringe was probably one of the first things that I did. And in mm-hmm. fact, uh, I don't even think I had advertised anything on the blog at that point. I think I went to see a show. I wrote a quick review and then I tweeted about it. Uh, and all of a sudden, I had a bunch of people from the Fringe Festival that were tweeting, we don't know who this is, but we're really <laughs> grateful for Aww. this feedback, or we're, we're really grateful for, for what's being put out there. Yeah. Um, and to me, that was just such an awesome, awesome compliment. Um, and, and I didn't make a, I wasn't, I wasn't going there or being out there to try to, to, um, you know, showcase myself. I just want to to put words out in the world and give people perspective. Um, but the fact it was so well received was great. So I covered the fringe in 2019, which was the first year that the that the blog was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, in 2020, the universe, you know, the world shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we still covered the fringe, but it just it looked different. Um, and I don't know that people were necessarily as interested in arts coverage. Uh, when you're thinking about a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more in people's minds. Yeah. Just a just a smidge. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you consider that festival like a major mount? Ma- sorry, a major cornerstone for Beyond James. Um. Hmm. I think. So I think yes. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think it lives in isolation, right? There are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I if I think about from the media perspective, there are always things happening that are exciting and mm-hmm. that bring excitement, which then in turn drives traffic to the website. Um, and the Fringe Festival, certainly, you know, if you're updating three or four times a day with reviews, people are constantly checking, constantly refreshing, constantly waiting to have their review and uh, share reviews um, and know what to see or, or want opinions on what to see. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, theater Aquarius, you know, has five or six shows a season. 
Um, and it's the same kind of thing that, that you'll publish a review and, um, there it goes, right? Or they're doing a world premiere, preparing for a world premiere right now. And that's a really big thing. Um, the same thing with the, the Hamilton Philharmonic, you know, they are going to be searching for a new music director soon. And so, um, in those moments, you see the traffic kind of spike, right? There, there's these blips that come up grit lid right now. Um, or rather that starts in about a week. We've been doing some previews on that. Um, and you know, that's driving traffic because people are really interested in the festival activity that's happening, super crawl. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yes, I would say the fringe is, um, is a big piece, but I also think there's lots of big pieces and, and it's one of the things that makes Hamilton so exciting. It's very true. It's very true. Um, how would you say Beyond James has changed as a platform uh, since it started in 2019? I don't know that I can call it a blog anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've, you know, outside of this interview, uh, where I realize I've said blog probably every second word, mm-hmm. um, I've taken to calling it a media website, uh, because cool. I yeah. think that that's more of, of what it is, right? It's no longer just me writing, um, when I have time. I don't know if that's actually the definition of a blog, but that's kind of what it feels like, uh, or at least that's what it felt like when it started. Um, you know, it's now a community and there's now Mm -hmm. people who come daily whether there's new articles or not and people that I don't know who are um sharing and advocating and interested and relying on it um and so to me you know I think one of the big things is that it's it feels bigger than me um which when I started it you know I I was writing for me I was writing to put my piece out in the world um and now it feels like everybody's piece uh which is really lovely um the website i think is in its third or fourth iteration um Mm. it's grown as as topics have grown right it used to just be you know here's the top 10 most recent articles in no particular order um and now it has a music section it has a theater section it has reviews um arts news it has visual arts um it has ads uh, which I, you know, I'm still trying to, to figure out exactly how ads work. Um, but it's, it's a great feeling. Um, and then, uh, I think the other big thing that's changed, um, and this has been something, uh, that people were asking me for and were interested in, um, is an event page, right? Where people Mm -hmm. can submit events or just look for events, um, and they're all color coded based on what kind of event it is. Um, I'm working on trying to figure out how I can do like a search for event, um, or type of event. Um, but it's, uh, you know, event listings was never something I thought about. And now it's one of the most frequently visited pages. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. That, that's really awesome to have on there for sure. Um, what articles do you find gain the most traction nowadays? Oh, it depends. Um, and I'm always surprised by what does well. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to admit that or not. Um, but I'm always, I, think I it's always, always kind of a mystery. I always think, you know, I'll write an article and I'll be super excited about mainly the like nerdy budget arts advocacy articles because yeah. that, that's what interests me. 
Yeah. Um, and I'll be like, oh, everybody's going to be so amazed to know about this, you know, arts organization and their surplus last year, or that they're, you know, that they had this massive debt or, you know, whatever. I think, oh, we're going to have a scandal. Um, and nobody, nobody reads it, um, or very few people read it. Um, but then I'll publish something that I, I feel like, you know, will people be interested in this? Will they not? You know, is this a significant thing or not? And it ends up mattering to a whole community of people uh, that maybe I hadn't considered. Um, so I'm always surprised by what does well. Um, the uh, one of one of the contributors, um, this brilliant writer named Maxi, um, who's actually actually Maxi has been with me uh, since near the the start. Um, I should have called her out when you were asking about contributors. Uh, I happened to meet her in 2019, just randomly at a fringe event. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I'm really interested in Beyond James. And we just, we just started communicating and she, she started writing whenever she had mm -hmm. ideas. Um, but anyways, so Maxie wrote a series of articles about drag queens in Hamilton. Um, mm -hmm. And that absolutely blew up and took off. Um, and I... Cool you know, there, there was a huge audience for that. And people are still really interested in that. Oh. Um, you know, when I write about the comedy scene in Hamilton, uh, and I look at my analytics, um, that seems to be one of the things that drives people organically to the site is they're looking up what's happening comedy wise in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, a, uh, so yeah, there's, there's, I, I'm always surprised by, by what people are interested in, but I think it just speaks to the appetite and interest for finding unique, interesting experiences that are art focused. Yeah. And I think that speaks to the, the variety of art as well in Hamilton. Yeah, for sure. Um, how, how do you keep beyond James like fresh and timely? Are there any sort of uh, things that you look for um, ways of updating the blog? How do you kind of, how, how do you keep it timely? So I you understand my question. I, I think <laughs> I do. I'll try and answer okay. and you can tell me if I if I've completely missed the mark or not. Go ahead. Go um ahead. I am a ridiculously organized person. Amazing. Um to the point that like I'm considering sharing my screen right now so you can see like the Excel sheet that oh, I have that lays out. Okay, wait, wait. Yeah. All right. So this is my 2021 content calendar. Ooh. And uh everybody is color coded, so you can see yours is green. Yeah. So in 2021, whenever I posted something by you, it was green. Uh, here's the dates that things got posted on. Here's the category that it fits into on the site. So I know where it will pop up. If there's a second category that you can search for it under, this is also where it pops up. Mm -hmm. A synopsis of the title and then whether it's published or scheduled. So in 2023, so here's where we're, here's where we're at. Uh, I've added a column here for if the ads are running. And then a note for if I've actually remembered to pay the person or not, mm -hmm. um, which I try to do, but I am not always as efficient as I would like to be, but this helps me remember. Um, and then on the side here, so Theater Aquarius uh, has expressed interest in um, running ads. So here's the dates that they're thinking of that we're talking about. We'll see if that happens. Um, here's the upcoming things that I am looking at, but I've got, you know, for here, you can see I've got a press release on file. Um, you know, it's probably so far ahead because it's 
not until the middle or end of May. Mm-hmm. Um, here's something I have to write. Um, so I try and schedule things uh, when I can. Um, and then here's a bunch of things on the side that's like, here's things that I would like to write about or that I would like to have in the hopper. Um, and then if I have no ideas, here's all the things that I might write about if I need ideas. And then, wow. And then color schemes, um, for the event listings or for the website. I love that. I am not that organized for so sure. So none of that answers your question because I realize you can't show <laughs> any of that. Um, okay. So the real answer to your question, um, how do I keep things timely is um, I am a really busy person with my job and my life and uh, mm-hmm. trying to fix up my house on the side. Um, and so I find I have to be really organized in every aspect of my life. Uh, and part of that is having brilliant systems in place like Excel sheets and to-do lists uh, to keep track of, you know, when I get a press release in, if the event isn't for, you know, three or four months, I'm not going to publish it today. That's Mm -hmm. everybody's going to forget about it in three or four months. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm going to hang on to that for, you know, two or three months. um, But I'm going to write a note for myself in, in the column. You know, if I'm, if I'm looking at dates and looking ahead to when I try and publish you know, I'm going to write a note for myself to go back in a couple of months and find that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes if I have a lot of articles that I've, I've pieced together, or I have a lot of things happening because some periods of the year are just busier than others. Um, you know, I'll schedule things, Mm -hmm. right. So I'll, I'll try and schedule things and then, um, you know, the site can run itself for a few days. Uh, and then when I have a little more time, um, I'll go back and do it again. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I, I think that answers my question. Yeah. Yeah, it's mainly yeah, organizational. How do you keep it on time and, you know, updating everybody on the newest events? Yeah, I think that answers it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, when I'm on my go train on days, I take the go train. Uh, yeah. I try to use that time to like catch up on emails, which is why you will get a flurry of emails from me uh, at like you know, five o'clock, six o'clock in the evening, but then you won't mm-hmm. hear from me for like three days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no worries. No worries. We, we always make it work. So it's true. And I think, you know, I think um, one of the things I've learned is everybody works weird hours now. I'm not sure oh, if there's yeah. such a thing as like a normal work day um, or, or normal working hours. I think everybody just works weird hours, especially, especially when it comes to art. Um, not just because so much happens, you know, in evenings and all weekends, but it's things that people really care about and really love. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we all bend a little bit to try and make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's see. Um, when publishing and or writing articles about music, so kind of like, you know, what we create together, is it more important to you to like the music personally, or is it more important that the musician is local? So for me, it's more important that the musician is local because Beyond Mm -hmm. James is about Hamilton arts. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I don't have to like the music because chances are somebody else out there will. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
Absolutely. That's the exact same approach I take. So there we go. Yeah. Um, do you market mainly through like organic social media marketing? Do you run campaigns for Beyond James or like pay for ads or anything like that? No. Um, no. I, I think the only time I've run ads uh, last year during the Fringe Festival, um, I, I think I did Facebook ads for like 10 bucks or 20 bucks or something. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't spend a lot of money. Um, but no, I've never, aside, aside from that, um, I've never purchased ads. Um, it's all been organic and through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I, uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, is there something about Beyond James that you'd like to improve on? Oh, I mean, you know, pie in the sky, you know, if I had uh, all the money and all the time in the world, um, you know, Beyond James is such a passion project for me. I would love to make it a bigger thing with more articles and more features and more, just more everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, uh, restricted by time, restricted by money, restricted by life. Um, so you can only do so much, but, uh, I think, you know, for what it is and where, um, where I am, I think, and, and, you know, what it's able to do, I think is pretty great. Cool. And is there something that you've done recently with the blog that you'd like to do more of? Um, there have been, so, so I realized what I just said, uh, there have been a couple of days, um, where I have been able to publish at least one article a day for a week. Mm -hmm. Um, and that feels awesome. Um, I love being able to do that and, and constantly churning out new content. Um, so that I would love to do more of that. Um, I love, I love collaborating with other local writers like yourself and, and everybody else that I've talked about um, because I love sharing their passion. I love sharing their excitement. Um, and I, you know, you are, you as an example are just so good at writing about music and you're just so connected and in tune to the music scene um, that it's, you know, you bring something that I could never bring on my own. Um, and so you know, I love working with people who are just so brilliant and in tune um, to share not just what you're doing, but all of the great bands that you're finding and local talent that you're finding um, with other people, right? I think it's like, you know, a rising rising tide, all boats. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I would love to do more of that too. And I'm really excited whenever whenever I get, you know, an article from you or an article from um, Amanda or Maxie or whoever, and I read it, um, you know, going back to the, the art nerd thing, Stephen Neer sent me this article, um, I guess for this month's near and now, and it had originally started as one thing. And we were kind of going back on email, workshopping it. And in the end, it ended up being this, this kind of love, love letter, hate letter, 
commiserating, complaining, something all about the challenges of writing grants as an artist, but also the necessity of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, being grateful that this money exists, but also like, can you believe what we have to do to get this money? Um, And when I read the final result and the end product, I was just, I was so excited and so proud to share it. Um, And so you know, I would love to do more of that. And whenever I get to do something like that, it's awesome. Yeah, that's an awesome feeling. For sure. Um, What advice would you give to a blogger that's just starting out? Know your why would be would be my advice. Know why you're doing it and what it is you want out of it. Um, when I was starting Beyond James, um, you know, I was asked so often, what do I deem success? Do I need to have thousands of people reading it every month? Do I need to be, you know, writing about everything in the art scene and then some? What do I define as the art scene? Um, and, you know, I stuck with my vision. I stuck with my ethics. I stuck with with my parameters and what I knew um, and just let it go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so know, know why you're into it and what you're, what you want out of it. Um, and screw anybody who, you know, tries to take you off path, unless you want to be okay. taken off path and then, you know, have fun. True. True. Um, what, uh, so we all kind of hate a little bit about our passions, about the things that we do. There's always negative sides. What would you say that you hate about, um, doing and running beyond James? Oh, I am, uh, not, this sounds terrible, actually. It's like you run an internet site, uh, but you hate internet media. Um, I really hate the back end of things. Um, right. I'm very, very fortunate to have a partner who, uh, has experience in graphic design and web design. And so, you know, I go to him and say, I hate this or, or I don't like this. Or originally it was a, this is what I want the the site to look like. Um, and he put it all together for me, but you know, I'm still, when I'm in the back end and I see, you know, um, it's being attacked by bots or, um, you know, it needs all of these updates or just all of these things. Um, I, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So I, I hate that aspect of things. And I am very appreciative and grateful to have somebody who deals with, you know, 99 to 100% of most of that. And whenever I get an email from um, WordPress, I can just be like, I'm going to just forward this. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like your assistant. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to call him that, but you can. No. Yeah, sure. I'd love to have one of those. That'd be great. Uh, it's amazing. Um, I'm not great with the back end either. No, it's a, uh, it's tough, right? But I mean, I mean, yeah. you need the back end to be tight. You need it to look good because everybody wants to go to a site that is like easy to find your way around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like, maybe I should take a class or something. I'm sure that's available. Oh, they totally, they totally have those. And I mean, like in the grand scheme of things, WordPress and um, I don't know what the others are, but I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of them now um, mm-hmm. that are all relatively simple right they simplify the process um compared to what it it used to be but it's also 
tough I find like I see on social media all the social medias and it's like should I be on TikTok should I be on you know Snapchat should I be on like what social medias are the right ones for me um, and am I missing opportunities by not being on other social medias? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hate having to keep up with that part because I, you know, if it wasn't for Beyond James, I probably wouldn't be on social media at all. Um, and so trying to navigate social media and be an active communicator on social media is something that I, I actively have to engage with and, and work at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What have you found um, the most challenging about that? Knowing that uh, different sites work in different ways, right? And the algorithms always seem to be changing. Um, And so if you want to be reaching certain people, it's not always about the hashtag. Sometimes it's about who you follow or who follows you or the likes or the whatever. And everybody seems to want you to ultimately just pay for ads, um, which I don't want to do. so figuring out how to get around that, uh, but still making sure your message reach, reaches the right people is tricky. Um, what do you think you can do to help with the things that you hate about running Beyond James? So like, you know, understanding the back end of the website, what do you think uh, we can do to help with that? Oh, um, you know, this is going to sound like a very asinine thing to say, um, but I recognize my weaknesses. Um, and I recognize that there are some things that I'm just not going to be good at and that I probably just don't want to get better at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not, uh, yeah. but, but I have great people around me, um, who are good at those things. So sure. I'm going to keep relying on my partner for the back end of the website. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, you know, probably not going to change my ways on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in terms of social media, um, it's recognizing that it might be a, a trade-off unless I want to get on, you know, the Snapchat or the TikTok or the, yeah. the whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, trying to stay up to date on how algorithms are changing or what are the things that I can do to try to be more, more with it, right? For better, mm-hmm. or for worse, you know, Facebook and Instagram are owned by the same company. Um, and so, you know, that's two of my three social medias right there. Um, and so that helps a little bit because they have, they have some similar, like they have some crossover elements. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, a uh, you know, it's still, it's still a challenge and it's still, uh, you know, I'm still testing things regularly to see what sticks and what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what are the things that you love about running beyond James? I love um, when I've written something or, or, you know, I've read something brilliant that somebody has written for me. Um, and there is this moment that usually occurs between 12.01 and 12.10 uh, in the morning where I've scheduled it to be posted. And in that first moment, when I refresh my phone or I refresh my computer to make sure it actually went up and I see it as the, the featured article and I know it all worked and it's like, it's, it's out in the world, right? It's now mm-hmm. been shared. It's, you know, be free little bird, um, take flight and, and who knows where you might go. Um, that moment, right? The moment where you know it's out in the world and what happens next is 
up to the quality of that writing and what that story is, um, is really, that's the most exciting thing for me. Yeah. Which is also possibly the nerdiest thing ever. Um, <laughs> but there, there's something about it, right? There's something about this moment of just what might be, right? There's so much potential. Let's see, let's see how it goes. What are you working on right now? And what can we look forward to seeing from you? Oh, well, for that, I'm going to go to my handy spreadsheet. Um, so uh, right now, I am working on a couple of artist features. There is a really uh, beautiful piece of work that is happening in May at the Hamilton Conservatory for the Arts called Every Brilliant Thing. Um, and it uh, was actually scheduled to be done pre-pandemic. Um, and the pandemic shut down. It's a one-person show that relies uh, heavily on audience involvement and participation. Um, and it's just this really beautiful work of art. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes and how that goes. Um, I think I mentioned Theater Aquarius is working on a world premiere right now. Um, and that's going to come in the next uh, two weeks or so. Um, but then there's also... Um, you know, the Hamilton Urban uh, Precinct Entertainment Group um, is things seem to be changing kind of day by day with them. And there's so much there with regards to the impact to um, First Ontario Centre and the downtown core and the art gallery that's going to change the face of, of downtown arts. Um, mm. Yeah, so there's there's a lot happening and a lot that's exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it all. Yeah, for sure. And um, everybody should go check out Dawn's blog at www.beyondjames.com to read all about that stuff coming up. And uh, follow her online at Beyond James blog on all socials. And um, yeah, keep up to date with it. And um, thank you so much again. I'm coughing a little bit here. Um, <laughs> trying to get my voice. Thank you so much for joining me, Don. This is really fun. And it was about time that I had you on. Uh, thanks, Sarah. We will do this in person sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe well, without you... the recording. Yeah. Yeah. yeah hopefully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it was great to have you on. Thank you so much. And uh, you have a great night. All right. You too.